0: This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Future Talk podcast. Future Talk, Future Talk. with Onya Al Saleh and Hany Balkis on Pulse 95. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Future Talk right here on Pulse95. It is a beautiful afternoon in the Pulse95 studios. I hope you're all having a fantastic day and ready to dive into the world of technology because today we have lots and lots to share with you about what's happening in the UAE and around the world. We're going to be starting off with Google. Now, this is definitely a very uh, interesting uh, story that I came across earlier.
1: Yes. Now, Omni, you are talking about let's dive into the world of <laughs> technology. Well, Google wants to dive into your skin. And they are working on a smart tattoo that does turn your skin into a living touchpad.
0: Now, this is beautiful for those who are very indecisive uh, when it comes to either getting something that has to do with their uh, drawing on their skin or, as we mentioned, smart tattoos. So I'm interested to see, are they going to be long term or are they going to be short term to tattoos so we're definitely going to keep you updated on that but staying around the world we're talking all about Facebook because it's now going to be aiming for zoom it's going to be allowing its users to live broadcast large video meetings are we getting any jealousy between zoom and Facebook now
1: now that is a that that is a weird uh, proposition that Facebook is doing because uh, we know that they they have their own video platform they have Mm. their own video calling platform So uh, I I'm trying to wonder what Zoom what Facebook has in mind for Zoom, but uh, I mean I guess we have to find out today.
0: Absolutely, coming up on Future Talk as well, we're gonna be going all the way to outer space because earlier this month we got to celebrate the launch of the Hope probe to outer space all the way to Mars. But how does space technology work? You know, we're constantly looking at rovers, looking at robotics, thinking that they are the machines behind all these missions but software has a huge uh, side and role to play in that game so how does software technology impact space exploration and on-orbit servicing we're going to be speaking to Zaid Tayyib who is actually the CEO and co-founder of the startup that develops software technology for space robotics
1: very exciting stuff to talk about especially when it comes to space because not only do us at future talk talk about what's happening in the world in the UAE and Georgia Mm -hmm. but we also go all the way to space
0: absolutely keep Pulse95 locked we'll be right back
1: you're listening to Pulse95
0: daily digital news bits and bytes connect
2: our
1: world Bits and bytes do connect our world, but what if we told you they can connect into your skin <laughs> and turn your skin into a living touchpad? Now, Google is one of the biggest tech giants on the planet, and they've always done innovative stuff. But now we're talking about they're kind of going away from space and 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 the world and coming back to us humans and our skin. Because Google is working on smart tattoos that, when applied to the skin, will transform the human body into a living touchpad which will be used via embedded sensors now part of google research is the wearable project which is called skin marks they use rub on tattoos now the project is an effort to create the next generation of wearable technology devices now we always I've been wearing techn- wearable devices we have the smart uh the, the, the smart watches apple watches smart rings. smart rings smart necklaces even smart dresses and t-shirts but now Wearable technology is going straight onto our skin.
0: I mean this is one of the most unusual stories that I've come across because it reminds me a lot of our childhood stick-, stick on tattoos that we used to collect out of magazines but now technology is definitely changing this up and we're going to be telling you exactly how do these tattoos work. So basically they are sensor driven and they're going to be applied to any part of the body that you choose. Now these sensors can then be triggered by traditional touch or swipe gestures like we perform on smartphones. So your body will basically become a smartphone that you can swipe on uh, and those few gestures are more specific to working on the skin's surface. So you could basically squeeze the area around the tattoo or bend your fingers or limbs to activate the sensors. Now the researchers at Saarland University in Germany who were actually the team behind those smart tattoos uh, actually wrote that there are so many benefits of using skin as an interface which is definitely interesting to hear. Um, One of those benefits is actually tapping into the fine motor skills that human beings naturally have. And this is what we try and apply on robotics. But now we're kind of bringing robots to our own skin.
1: Yes. Now, the product is entirely, partly funded, not entirely, through Google Faculty Research Awards. Now, interacting with your own skin and limbs also means you can do it without looking because (laughs) who doesn't know their own body? Who doesn't know their own skin? Now, the tattoos are actually made by Screen Printing Conductive Ink, onto tattoo paper and then applying it on your skin. Now, some of the prototype tattoos do include cartoon drawings or even light-up displays. Now, I am very excited to see. Now, you were talking about, Omnia, about this is great if you're indecisive because you can always change it.
0: Absolutely, so what's interesting about it is uh, they also come with different thickness So you can actually pick and choose how thick you want the, the ink to be You can also choose complicated drawings Because now you're not going to be uh, worried of any human error It's not a human painting or drawing on your skin It's more or less of a ready-made tattoo that you're simply pasting on your skin.
1: Now I'm wondering, Omnia, if you could have like a remote control embedded on your uh, on your skin. You're for starting example. to
0: think like Elon Musk now. Like,
1: like <laughs> on your skin, and just like if you want to change the TV channel, just like like that, <laughs> like that.
0: I, I wouldn't be surprised because they, the Google team actually did mention that they were working on swipes and gestures yeah. to be able to activate this. I,
1: I believe this isn't for personal use though. I believe mm. it's for professional use, maybe even all the way into space exploration maybe astronauts could use it uh maybe people who uh who who, who don't have fingers like a finger like some people unfortunately they don't have full use of their Mm -hmm. fingers physical
0: disabilities physical physical
1: disabilities and and it might be easier just to touch or tap on your skin who knows but uh let's go and talk about facebook now (laughs) facebook actually omnia in recent weeks, and mm. actually the past couple of months, and Facebook has I feel always like ever
0: since lockdown started, they've been yeah topic of ve- discussion. Very jealous of, of other uh, websites. And We've
1: seen Facebook come at everyone's throat, mm-hmm. but now they're coming and going to their competitor, and asking, "Hey, let's make a truce. Let's 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 put our hand in hand together, and make something great." Because Facebook is aiming for Zoom by letting users live broadcast large video meetings.
0: Now, there's a lot of jealousy uh, that is starting to feud between Facebook and Zoom because they Facebook actually just announced a new feature that will allow all of their users to live broadcast video calls with up to 50 participants. So, soon enough, Facebook may just become the new Zoom. Now, the ability to live broadcast Messenger room calls could also pose a huge threat uh, on Zoom because this basically Basically means users will be able to live stream video calls Mm. to services other than Facebook. So we're talking about Google's YouTube and Amazon's Twitch. Now, this is definitely combining the company's Facebook live video streaming product and the Messenger Room uh, video calling product that was actually just launched a few months ago.
1: Yes, Omnia. Now, why is this so important? Mm-hmm. Now, we know when there's a, a conference going on, you would physically have to go to that concert, conference True. to watch a couple of the greatest minds or something or someone talking about something important, mm-hmm. and you have to be physically physically be there. But mm-hmm. with COVID-19, there's a lot of restrictions. So now you can watch, for example, let's say Elon Musk and Jack Ma mm-hmm. go head to head together on this Facebook Live conference call because you're going to be seeing it live, broadcasted live and just like 50 participants, Omnia that means you can have a whole board of directors talk and 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 the workers and employees can be there to witness what projects or what or or they want to talk about in general so i believe omnia this is a great initiative by facebook now mm. I'm, this is big coming from me because i don't always uh,
0: you hate facebook I, I don't
1: hate facebook but i'm very uh, i'm very on the edge when it comes to facebook yeah. and and uh, and their ethics and moral ethics but mm. this is this is great coming from facebook and i believe omnia that uh, i feel like
0: it's going to encourage companies to to maybe start using facebook for their meetings because mm we've seen a lot of uh, companies and organization actually completely block zoom they're not yes. they weren't allowing their employees to use zoom mm-hmm. but especially uh, because facebook recently launched the messenger rooms feature which will basically allow people to kind of get into like a zoom meeting room but in on Facebook's platform, and with this, uh, also allowing them to broadcast that call from their profile, uh, a Facebook page or a Facebook group, those users will actually be able to control exactly mm. who participates in the call. They can add or remove participants, which is definitely also preventing another uh, drawback Zoom with Zoom, Zoom bombing.
1: Yes. Now, Omnia, I like that you talked about how a lot of companies uh, in the U.S. and around the we're world have, have were yeah. banning Zoom. Uh, because of privacy concerns, mm-hmm. but we know Facebook <laughs> has been uh, the head oh, of yes. privacy concerns actually I believe in 2018 or 2019 huge uh, they, scandals they had a huge a lot of scandals a lot of uh, the the United Kingdom court actually took them to court uh, mm. with Facebook about their privacy concerns So we might be seeing in the Facebook future Facebook bombing fa- not Facebook bombing Facebook blocking oh because I know it's a privacy concern and this is where mm. I believe that Skype might come into effect again
0: I hope. I pray that Skype returns, but we'll definitely keep you updated on that. Let us know what video chat platform have you been using right here in the UAE to connect with friends and loved ones, especially with Eid being just around the corner. I'm sure a lot of us will be connecting uh, with our loved ones virtually. But coming up on Future Talk, we're going to be speaking to Zaid Tayyib, who is actually the CEO and co-founder of a startup called MyLens that is developing software technology for space robotics. What is or who is the brains behind all those rovers that we are sending up to space? We're going to be telling you all about it in just a few moments. So keep Pulse95 locked. We'll be right back. Pulse95 Future Talk Future Talk With Om Al Saleh and Hani Balkas On Pulse95 One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. These are the words that have always left the world in curiosity about outer space. In the UAE, this month has definitely been a special one because we got to witness the launch of the Hope Probe mission all the way to Mars and as humans, Whenever you know we think about uh, space exploration, our minds immediately think of rovers, of robotics, of all the hardware that helps us get there. Yet we can't really forget about the brains behind those rovers. Software technology has played a very crucial role when it comes to space flight. And joining us today to tell us more about the importance of software technology when it comes to space exploration is the CEO and co-founder of this startup called MyLens that develops software technology for space robotics and and deep space exploration. Welcome to the show, Mr. Zaid Tayyib. How are you doing today?
2: Um, hi. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm doing great. The pl- um, it's actually my great pleasure to be with you today.
0: The Thank
1: pleasure is me. all ours. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you on.
2: Thank you.
0: Uh, Zaid, a question that comes to mind whenever we're talking about space exploration and especially with uh, the unmanned Mars mission that the UAE launched earlier this month is the role of software technology when it comes to space exploration. Because a lot of us uh, tend to think of the hardware as being the, basically the person behind it all or the creature behind it all, but in reality, software is what's operating all those rovers. So can you tell us a little bit about the role of this software technology?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a great question. Actually, just if you go go back to the definition of a software piece, it's actually a set of instructions which the system uses to figure out, uh, you know, uh, what to do in a particular scenario. And, uh, you know, notwithstanding the tremendous advances that have been made in building, you know, amazing hardware systems, um, you know, the software part is kind of still stagnating. And um, yeah, so, I mean, Uh, The software, for example, um, in the the context of uh, space exploration gives the robotic system the autonomy to actually figure out where to go, what to explore, and what are the interesting samples uh, the robotic system may come across during the journey. So, uh, you know, I think it's a crucial piece of of the whole space system. And uh, yeah, so Mm -hmm. uh, software is really of uh, utmost importance.
1: So, that, so uh, I mean, I was going to ask you, how can humans embody robots anywhere, anytime, regardless of their physical locations?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, if you look at the historical trend, um, it, you know, um, people, they tend to just pre-program robots uh, mm. to perform a certain set of uh, tasks. But the problem with uh, outer space and space exploration is the environment is highly unknown and harsh. Mm -hmm. And that means that you kind of, you know, uh, need to kind of uh, collaborate and team up with with robots and interact with them in real time. Mm. And, uh, you know, what what Mylan S or Mylan S mission is actually to allow um, human controllers to embody space robotic systems mm-hmm. um, anywhere, anytime, regardless of their physical location. Mm-hmm. If I break this down and try to explain it further, that means you can actually use your body signals, like your eye movements, muscle activities, to control and steer uh, the, uh, you know, the robot uh, towards different directions. But more importantly, you can feel what the robotic mm-hmm. hand is touching and grabbing, in, for example, on the Moon or in, on Mars. For example, you can feel like a very, you know, sharp objects, very pointy and round curvature. You can feel the texture, the shape, like the stiffness, very soft or very hard objects. This is actually the bi-directional interface Mm. we are building between uh, robots and humans. So now, it's yeah. Uh,
1: now the question does come into mind. Now since uh, w- uh, these robots are thousands of, of, of kilometers away, how quick is the response time? Mm-hmm. Like if you uh, if you put in command, how quick uh, is sorry? that? If you put in a command, how quick is the robot going to respond to that command?
2: I can hear you.
0: Okay. Yes. So when we're talking about uh, space robotics uh, or space explorations using robotics, a question that comes to mind is that uh, there as you mentioned, it gives us a sense of touch. But the fact that we are here on Earth and all those robotics are miles and miles away, it uh, causes us to uh, basically be placed in a little bit of a response time issue. I,
1: yeah, that's what I'm wondering.
0: Absolutely. Um, so we're going to be taking a short break, but once we come back, we're going to be jumping right into the concept of software technology and how it's allowing us to operate those robots miles and miles away. If you have any questions for Mr. Zaid Tayyib, make sure you send them in at 4215 door it salat or slide into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio. Keep Pulse95 locked. We'll be right back. You're listening to 95 Pulse95.
1: Pulse95.
0: Future Talk. Future Talk with Omi Al-Saleh and Hany Balkis on Pulse 95.
2: Future Talk.
0: In the UAE, July has definitely been a very special month because we got to witness the launch of the Hope Probe mission all the way to Mars. But... This unmanned mission has definitely shown the world the importance of software that has never played a more critical role when it comes to spaceflight. It has made it safer, much more efficient, and allowed spacecrafts to automatically adjust to all the changing conditions that tend to take place whenever we're launching them to space. Joining us today to tell us more about the importance of software technology in space exploration is the CEO and co-founder of the startup, Mylins that tends to develop software technology for space robotics and deep space exploration. Welcome to the show, uh, Mr. Zaid Tayyib.
2: Hi. Um, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be with you today.
0: It's
1: the pleasure. It's all ours. Now, before the break, we were talking about how we can control these uh, these progr- uh, these robots. And the question that does come in mind is that since these robots are thousands and thousands of miles away, how quick is the response time when you command the robot to, for example, grab a piece of rock? How quick is that response time?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, if we, uh, I think I would, um, you know, I would break it down into dif- or different, you know, um, sub answers with, uh, you know, so, so if, we're talk- if we are talking about the moon, then actually the delay is almost, um, you know, um, it's actually almost an instantaneous mm-hmm. uh, reaction. So you can. You can do this in uh, in a few, you know, uh, in a couple of seconds. If you are talking about the about Mars, then it's another story because then the the delay is actually huge. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and and at the end of the day, what you are you you know uh, what you are trying to do is uh, kind of having geologists on board um, mm. who uh, by just giving the robots the sense of touch, so you can actually feel um, or the geologist who is sitting here at the terrestrial station can feel the texture, the shape um you know of the samples the robot is 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 speaking um throughout the journey absolutely
0: Mm. um and speaking of being able to feel things all the way from earth from earth and if that robot is up in space we're basically feeling what they are experiencing um what other capabilities does the software give to those robots apart from the sense of touch can we basically possibly one day smell space let's say from earth
2: yeah I, i mean you know, I think the, 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 the greatest uh, kind of uh, feature you can have is curiosity. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, uh, the problem is you have to always uh, pre-program your robot to perform a certain, you know, um, set of tasks. But the, as the environment is highly unknown, you need kind of this intuition and the sense of curiosity to figure out what are the interesting, you know, uh, spots w- when being, mm-hmm. for example, on the moon looking for water ice. And uh, you know th- the way how we do it is we leverage what you call brain-computer interfaces. It turns out that whenever you get intrigued or you know something catches your attention, this you know generates specific patterns in your brain, mm. and um, our software is capable of interpreting, processing, and decoding those thoughts, and translate them into a reward signal mm. to show us what are the best actions to take mm. in a particular scenario. Nah. So I think. I think the, amongst the the best features you can ever have in your robotic system.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and now I have another question. Now we know that we connect through all our devices through the internet. Uh, what? How do we connect, or how does NASA or any space agency connect through these robots? Like a satellite, uh, do they send? Uh, how do they send information from one another? Mm.
2: You, you mean um just you know for me how
0: they, the yeah how do they communicate yes. so how do the robots communicate with uh, the space uh ag- let's say the uae space agency or uh, nasa's agency from yes. space
2: mm-hmm. yeah i think they are i think most of the robotic system are using radio communication mm. to exchange mm. information uh between the terrestrial station or the control station and the robotic system mm-hmm. and uh that's i mean the the communication and i think if you If you are talking about this bidirectional interface where you actually can send your uh, commands to control the uh, robotic system and also receive uh, this kind of uh, feedback or sensory feedback, I think it's going to be at the end of the day the same communication channel which is radio communication. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, space is definitely a a very unique environment to test for. The conditions that a spacecraft goes through aren't easy to simulate on the ground. And while whenever we're talking about autonomous vehicles or autonomous cars, we can actually go ahead and take them out of the simulator and ease them into lighter real-world conditions so that we can refine the software little by little. You can't really do the same thing for a launch vehicle. So how do exploration robots operate autonomously in space, in a very unfamiliar environment that they may not have been um, experienced in on Earth?
2: Yeah, I think it's very important to mention here that... um uh, what you need at the end of the day is what we call trusted autonomy. Mm. So you have to trust what the, because, you know, many people are talking about AI and deep learning and this kind of emerging and amazing technologies, but you can trust, you have to interpret or you have to be able to interpret and explain every single decision the robot is making. So uh, speaking about this uh, trusted autonomy, um, I think um, uh, the way how we can do this and, you know, um, allow Uh, robots to be uh, to operate autonomously is by using again this brain computer interfaces so you have to teach uh, robots and build kind of a prior knowledge to them so that they can use that um, as an initial model to figure out Mm -hmm. um, what to do in a particular scenario so even though if if um, a robotic system is is encountering a a very difficult situation in a very harsh environment like for example on mars um, then it's going to use this prior knowledge which was uh, extracted and cloned from some, you know, from expert thoughts and knowledge mm. and translated into uh, the robotic system. And um, I see it like as a, uh, is like a, as a playing a chess game. So mm-hmm. every time you play and during the simulation, you try to train um, your robot and in different scenarios, you give them those uh, reward signals, positive or negative, to punish them for a good, you know, for a bad uh, decision and, and to reward Uh, positively reward uh, a good um, action Mm -hmm. and then it's uh, it's like you're playing a chess game so every time the robot plays this game gets get better and better and then you are trying to empower them with this prior knowledge so that they Mm -hmm. can use it as a basis uh, when when during the exploration uh, journey
0: absolutely definitely uh, interesting to see how robots can be treated a lot like how we treat our children you know reward them for the good actions and uh, teach them what bad actions, uh, consequences mm. they will receive. Coming up on Future Talk, we're also going to be discussing with Mr. Zayyad Tayyib uh, all about fully autonomous spacecrafts. Is it the right move? Is it a bit risky for humans to go ahead and trust? Uh, so, if you have any questions for him?
1: four two one five or at our Pulse95 radio on Instagram. Now, talking about space robots and <laughs> rovers, is very interesting. So, stay tuned and stay tuned to the conversation right here only on Pulse95. 95.
0: You're, You're listening, listening to Pulse95. 95. Pulse95. 95. Future Talk. Future Talk. With Omryal Saleh and Hany Balkas on Pulse95.
1: Future Talk. One small step for man of... Uh, <laughs> one st- small step for... I man. Forget, man and one, one giant, giant step leap for mankind. Leap for mankind. <laughs> I don't know why I messed that up.
0: You, you're the one who keeps rem- uh, reminding me I, of I,
1: it. You know, you know uh, when you keep talking about it and you keep rethinking the scenario True. in your head, you mess it up. I, I had a little bit of...
0: One small step for man, one giant leap Leap for for mankind. mankind,
1: Yes, indeed.
0: And today joining us to give us a little bit of a behind the scenes of how do space rovers operate? How do spacecrafts function using uh, software technology is Zaid Tayyib, who is the CEO and co-founder of the startup Mylands that develops software technology for space robotics and deep space exploration. Uh, Mr. Zaid, nowadays, a few errors in over one million lines of code could spell the difference between Mission success and mission failure in space exploration So a human pilot could definitely override any of the issues And glitches that tend to happen uh, with space missions Some of these errors could actually end the space mission altogether So the question to you is Is going fully autonomous the right move? Because a lot of NASA experts tend to believe That we can't really fully trust rovers just yet
2: Yeah I think it's a, it's a very interesting question. I mean, uh, uh, we would I would see it the way that we kind of you know stick to this semi-autonomy, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of uh, feature, mm-hmm. so that you 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 train your robot and you empower it with this kind of trusted autonomy, but you still or the human controller um, still acts as a high level uh, supervisor. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- w- you know, who gives uh, kind of. Uh, instructions whenever it's needed when something is 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 going wrong or just you know to kind of adjust a bit the um the decision of the robotic system yeah so i would i would see this is as a compromise between you know uh, because nasa has been very reluctant and also the uae space agency and uh, other space agencies have been very reluctant um to just you know go with fully autonomous systems so i think a, a compromise would be to to have this semi-autonomy um On board, so Mm -hmm. you leave the robot makes uh, or takes the decisions um, they want to take, and you act as a just you know, um, you know, as a supervisor to guide and correct uh, uh, wrong decisions.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So uh, apart from space exploration, a lot of rovers and software technologies have been used uh, when it comes to on-orbit servicing. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, I mean. one of the questions that have kept me awake so many nights is if everything can be repaired and refueled. Uh, so why not satellites? Mm. And uh, I think we are, we, we are, um, you know, uh, witnessing, uh, you know, great um, advances in when it comes to um, on-orbit satellite servicing. So nowadays um, we are talking about satellites that can repair others and refuel them, deorbit them uh, when they are expired. And um, one of the things, you know, this kind of, you know. A mixture between robotics and satellite uh, servicing is they they, atta- they they tend to attach robotic systems or robotic arms on top of their those satellites to um, you know perform complex tasks like just the, the orbiting or um, picking another satellite. And um, again, I think this uh, this uh, mission statement of embodying robotic system um, anywhere, anytime, regardless of their physical location. Um, holds through here, so mm. you can from the terrestrial station control or map your body signals, your um, move, you know, um, muscle and eye mm. movements, and translate them into commands to actually steer those robotic arms attached to uh, the servicing satellite. And then you can feel at the same time the force and the the texture and the you know the shape of those um, components of the of the. Um, surface itself
1: like yeah now, now i have a question now when these space agencies sent out these rovers these robots are there any plans to bring them back to ho- mother earth
2: um i mean to be honest i think no i mean the direct answer would probably be no mm. um so i think uh, uh, you know robots are used uh, as a first you know as a stepping stone to explore um, yes. other planets and to figure out. Um, you know um or look for uh, ancient uh, signs of life but mm-hmm. i think uh, uh, there is no need or uh, the the big space agencies they have no interest in in getting those robotic systems back but they probably they have strong interest in getting samples cash mm. samples from those uh, explored environments um, and and speaking about nasa and the perseverance uh, uh, rover yeah. mission i think they will yeah, they are aiming to bring um, samples back from Mars by 2026 using a satellite uh, launched by the European Space Agency. And mm-hmm. um, so, th- I think the robotic system is just used as a, you know, as a cornerstone. And then, once we are uh, pretty sure that everything is fine, we have all, you know, um, the uh, infrastructure and all the guarantees that we can send humans to, uh, you know, explore Mars. Then we will do it. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. and we've definitely seen that uh, with the UAE as well cuz the hope probe was actually launched to space to basically collect information about the Martian atmosphere helping us learn about more about Mars but also about the atmosphere right here on earth so it's definitely interesting to see how it's going to be orbiting for I'm, I'm guessing about 3 years uh, around Mars collecting different samples and information that we can actually Put Basically. it to good use, and yeah. maybe one
1: day make our step on Mars.
0: Absolutely, we do have plans to make Mars hopefully a habitable place for us by 2117. Mr. Zaitsev, you think? The, yeah.
2: I think the beauty of it um, is that they're gonna make all the collected data and information publicly available, yes. so that other researchers can use it and inspire, uh, you know, the next generation to use this information, you know, um, free of charge. And mm. I think this is amazing. Um, you know, thing behind this whole mission is, uh, you know, pushing uh, the envelope of um, space um, exploration, science, and getting, you know, uh, or in- and inspire the next generation. Absolutely. So, uh,
0: Bringing back I'm the really golden impressed.
2: age. Mm. I'm really impressed. And I, I can see that the UAE um, has become a magnet, which you cannot demagnetize when mm. it comes to space uh, technologies. 100
1: Thank you for your time coming on to this show. But this does end Future Talk.
2: Yeah, sure, sure. Yes. Uh, thank you
0: so much, and uh, yeah. You've so, uh, you've, it was you've a enlightened us about software giving us, technology, giving
1: us some insight on some things that I never fully understood.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, thank you so much, and uh, looking forward to uh, future talks and uh, you know chats about
1: this. <laughs> Yes, indeed. <laughs> nice word
0: so. play, to be honest. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to us, wherever you were tuned in, whether it was From Your Car, 95 FM, SBA Application, YouTube, Pulse 95 Radio. Uh, thank you so much for lending us your ears for this hour. Future talk is coming to an end, but we will be back again, same time, same place, tomorrow from 2 to 3 p.m.
1: Yes, indeed. So stay tuned right here only on Pulse 95.
0: 95.